Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Austria and Slovakia are in Austria ahead of Slovakia right now. And there's a little bit of bobbing. Baton's been dropped. The baton's been dropped. Oh, the baton's been dropped by Austria. Frustration of the Canadians. And here we can see where it all went wrong for them. It was a drop. Something happens between this exchange. Third leg never gets the baton. That's a complete run-up. What that is is lack of focus by the third leg. He's not even ready. He's not even in the position to, to receive the baton. He never took off. This is a baton. It's uh, not the typical red and white one you saw in the video up there, but many races have been lost because of dropping the baton or failing to pass it off in the right way. This is the old Greek baton. I'm not really sure. It's just something Jason had that he gave to me to use. But anyway, uh, how are we doing, dads, passing the baton to the next generation? How are we fulfilling what God has called us to do as dads and as fathers and passing this from one generation to the next? Many families have been ruined. Many, many lives, uh, races have been lost because the baton's dropped. It's fumbled. It's, uh, the other one starts out too early. The other one doesn't get there in time. Uh, we miss the handoff. And as a result, the race is lost. We are called to raise up the next generation of young people. And so that's what fathers are all about. The core of the problem in America I believe all problems, not just about every problem in America can, can trace back to the breakdown of the family. When the family breaks down, when homes break down, when marriages break down, uh, the, the families get in a mess, and America gets in a mess, and so the crime and the violence and what we're seeing happening in our schools and in, our, in America today and the, and the violence and the racism and the drugs and all the abuse that goes on, I think has a direct correlation to the strength of the home and the strength of the family. 43% of U.S. children lived, uh, are born today, live without a father in the home, 43%. And what happens is, that we, they, in families where that happens, the kids tend to show uh, underachievement in the academics in school, they have a higher truancy, they are unruly behavior and increased delinquency. In fact, 71% of high school dropouts are from fatherless families. Adolescent girls, are more likely to be promiscuous, begin sexual activity at a younger age, have more sexual partners, and are more likely to divorce. In fact, 71% of teen pregnancies occur because of fatherless homes. 85% of youth in prison today are there because they came out of fatherless homes. And on and on and on it goes. And so what I'm saying is, dads, you are important to your family. You are needed today. You are a vital link. Every single father, every single dad plays an important role in his family today. Isn't that amazing? You are very, very important to God. 
Children need leadership that he provides and the lessons he can teach. And if a family has a God-fearing man, either a father or a stepfather or some other influence in the home, I will tell you that family is doubly blessed because he has an awesome heavenly father who's also teaching him and training him and showing him the way that he should go. And so those families with Christian fathers, Christian dads, are doubly blessed. And so we got a group of amazing fathers and amazing dads in the house today. I want to give you three lessons, three just very practical things this morning that I believe are going to help you and give you some pointers on how to be a better dad or how to help pass the baton to the next generation. The first is simply this. You don't have to be perfect. Isn't that good news? You don't have to be perfect. Because we're all sinful and we all blow it and we all struggle at times and you don't have to be a perfect father. And I know the tendency can be when you come to church on Father's Day, we just pound the fathers and the dads to death and we talk about all the stuff you gotta do and then we leave with our heads hanging down and say, boy, I don't live up to that at all. And, we, and you're, you're, you're always under review at work and you go through a lot of evaluations and reviews and you, you struggle there and then you, and the marriage we looked at and we say, well, how good of a husband are we? And sometimes we blow it there. And along the way, we make a lot of mistakes and we blow it quite often and yet the good news is, dad, you don't have to be perfect. Because if we feel like that and have that kind of pressure on top of us, when we don't measure up, we get into some, some kind of a just depressed funk state of being because I'm not fulfilling my role as the dad I should be. But I will tell you, because we have a loving Heavenly Father who forgives, because we have an amazing Heavenly Father who gives us second chances along the way, God stands there to forgive us and help us even with our shortcomings, and that's good news today. Can't be at every ball game. You'd like to, you just can't make them all. Or every ballet thing or gymnastics thing. We say things we shouldn't say. We just say the wrong things and we stick our foot in our mouth and we blow it and we respond in certain ways and sometimes we fly off at the handle and sometimes our temper gets short and we get frazzled and we feel stressed and that comes out and sometimes we take it out on our wife and sometimes we take it out on our kids and we really ought to do that but, but we are sinful people. And we will will fail, and we will blow it. But the good news is, Jesus Christ, there's hope in him. He's able to forgive and help us. Uh, As consolation, as we read the Bible, the word of God, Scripture is full of examples of men who at some point along the way blew it in passing the baton to the next generation. I think of a guy by the name of David who was an amazing king who the Bible said was a worshiper after God's own heart who who wrote the Psalms we have today, many of the Psalms we have today and, and, and was the king and Jesus Christ would come from the lion of the tribe of Judah who is referring to David and so you get all this kind of inference on David. He's in Hebrews chapter 11 in the who's who of faith and yet he blew it with some of his kids. Amnon, his son, raped his half-sister, one of David's daughters. And then you have Absalom tries to bring a revolt and, 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 the, and divide the kingdom up, and, and David has to flee for his life outside of the city of Jerusalem. And so in some ways, he blew it as a father, but the good news is God forgives and God cleanses and God gives second chances, and he gave him another chance with his son Solomon, and Solomon would carry on the Davidic line. 
And then you have a man by the name of Jacob. And we talked about Jacob a few weeks ago when he had the 12 sons, but he played favorites to Joseph, and everybody hated Joseph because of that. And we looked at Joseph's life on forgiveness, and yet in some ways he blew it and made a mistake and caused division in his own household. There's a man in the book of Judges by the name of Jephthah. Jephthah says, God, if you'll give me victory, the first person that walks out of my house, I will sacrifice to you. Now, I don't know what that meant or what that looked like, but uh, and that's kind of a really dumb thing to say. It's a really dumb vow to make because who's going to be in his house but his own daughter? And she walks out when he comes back from war and he has to either sacrifice her or most likely banish her forever. And so you have this story of Jephthah, the daughter, uh, the, the and his daughter and how he failed. Samuel failed to discipline his own sons. And so when they get older, because he's been the judge and prophet in the land, the people of Israel say how rotten his boys are. And they say, we don't want to follow those boys that you're leaving. We want a a new king who will lead us and guide us so we can be like all the other nations. And so somewhere along the line, Samuel failed to discipline his sons like Eli failed to discipline his sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And he grew up under Uh, Eli's regime. And so Samuel, in many ways, failed as a dad, failed as a father, and yet he's an amazing prophet, and he is an amazing man. And so God gives second chances. God is a God of grace. And if you've blown it, if you failed, we don't want to bring you under condemnation today. We want to bring you to the Lord Jesus Christ who can forgive and cleanse and help us be the father that we need to be. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says it this way. There is not a righteous man on the earth who does what is right and never sins. There's not one, nobody. We've failed so, so many times. No one is perfect, but the good news is that's why we need Jesus. And in Jesus Christ, I am cleansed and I am forgiven. And when we, we, we fail, we can run to him and he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when we fail our kids... We fail to keep a promise, or we discipline them too harshly, or we say the wrong thing to them and we make them feel like we're there about this high. We can always go to them and say, will you forgive me? I've blown it. I shouldn't have done what I've done. And you know, if we're open and honest and transparent with our kids, even when we do make mistakes, even when we do fail, they will respect us even more because we had the courage to ask for their forgiveness and they will love us more and they will open up their arms and embrace us once again. But we've got to be forthright and we've got to say, listen, your dad's not perfect. Your dad makes mistakes. I fail and I failed you guys on this occasion and I ask you to forgive me and they will respect you even more. And so it's good news today. You don't have to feel beat up. Just say, Jesus, help me, teach me, show me, and then we can be the kind of fathers that he wants us to be. In Christ Jesus, I am loved, I am cleansed, I am forgiven, I have his righteousness. We sang that song about a good, good father, and when we know how good he is, then that's we know who I am in our heavenly father, and I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am cleansed and forgiven by the blood of the lamb, and he doesn't hold my past against me anymore. I stand holy before him today. That's who you are, dads, today. Mm. I think the second lesson I want to share with you today is express your love for your wife. Express your love for your wife. It says in Colossians 3 and 19, husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Husbands love your wives 
and do not be harsh with them. The word love in that verse is in the present participle, which means it is a continuous, ongoing action. It's not like we say, boy, I've married her now, I got her now, I said I loved her when we walked down the aisle, and now I can do whatever I want to and treat her any way I want to. No, the Bible says we keep on loving our wives, we keep on showing kindness to them every single step of the way. Now, I want to tell you, that is not only important for your wife's sakes, it's important for your kids' sake. One of the greatest legacy you can leave your children is to show them how to be a godly father or how to be a godly husband to their wife, to their mother. And then they will carry that to their generation and the next generation, and we have the potential for strong, healthy families along the way. Keep on loving her. Keep on showing that you love her. Keep on treating her with kindness. Keep, treat her like God's special gift to you. Your wife is a unique gift for you. She then says, treat her like that special vase she is, that special treasure she is. And your wife will feel loved. She'll feel appreciated. And it will do wonders for your marriage. But not only that, your kids are watching. And so they see how you talk to your wife. They witness that. They see how you love your wife. Your kids don't miss a thing. You are modeling to them what a healthy marriage is all about, and that is probably the best way you can pass that baton for future marriage, their future marriage along the way. But if your marriage is suffering, it will devastate the kids because they lose their sense of security. I, uh, my wife and I, when the kids were small, were having a discussion you know what I mean. And uh, we tried to keep our discussions away from the children, but the children, they're not stupid. They can pick up on it. They sense it. They, they feel the icicles in the house. And, uh, and uh, they, they, they heard it spill over and heard kind of what was going on. And so we had our discussion. And so I went up at the end of the day, as I always did, to pray with my kids at night. I would always get by my kids. I'd kneel by their bedside. I'd hug them, kiss them, tell them I loved them. And I prayed for them every single night. And I would do that in every single, with every single single child. And so at this time, Chad was about six years of age, and Jason was four, and, and uh, Lindy was about two. And so I went up to pray with Chad, and he is bawling his eyes out. And I say, son, what's going on, man? What's the matter? What happened to you? And he's, you know how they do when they get all this snot running down, they're crying. And he said, are you and mommy going to get a divorce? Man, you talk about ripping my guts out. And I had to hug him and say, son, mom, and your mom and dad are never, ever going to get a divorce. It's not going to happen in our house. I love your mother, and I love you, and I would never do that to your mommy, and I would never do that to any of my kids. It will never, ever happen in this family. He kind of whimpered a little bit, and we hugged and kissed and all that, but it, it just kind of made the whole impact to help me to understand my kids are watching every single thing that happens, and their security is based on how much you love their mother and how much you model a healthy marriage. They will pick that up in their own family as they grow up. Uh, if your marriage is thriving, it gives them security. It will teach them how to love their spouse. And so be a gentleman. Open the door for your wife. Show them what it means to be a gentleman for your wife. Uh, bring her treats. Hold her close. Kiss her in front of the kids. It's okay. I, they, they'll act all blushed and they'll get all embarrassed. Oh, mom, oh, dad, don't do that in front of us. Listen, they're eating it up. They love it. They want to see that strong bond of love in the home. 
Boys need to know how to love their future wives. Where are they going to learn it? From dad. And daughters need to see what it looks like to have a good husband. How are they going to find the right kind of guy? They'll want to find somebody just like their father who knew how to treat a wife. In a very broken, fractured world and families in which we live, the godly example of Colossians chapter three says, love your wives, keep pursuing her, keep romancing her, show her kindness all the way along the line, and then they will really know what marriage and family is all about. They'll learn that from you. And next to knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest lesson you can pass on to your kids is how to be a godly husband, have a godly family. Number three, spend more time together. Spend more time together. More than things, your kids need you. And I know we are stressed and we're working and we work overtime and you have shift work going on and all those pressures are on you to take care of your family and provide for them. But it will require personal sacrifice on your part to make sure that you're building time in for your children. It sounds so basic and simple, but it means so very, very much. When kids, when my kids were small, probably one of the greatest feelings as a dad is when you come home at the end of the day. So it's about 5 o'clock, 5.36, whenever you get home. And uh, you open the door, and uh, mommy would say, Dad's home. And all the kids, when they're small, come and they run, and they wrap your arms around your legs, and they hang on to you and say, Daddy, you're home. It's so awesome. And, and my wife would give me this look like, the next two hours, they're yours. I've been breaking up fights all day. I've been cleaning up their messes. I've been doing all this with them. I need a break. And so my wife was thrilled to see me come home as much as the kids were, and they would come running up to me. The only problem is when they become teenagers, they keep on running. But they start to run away from the house. And they will run to this practice and this event and go over to these kids' house and they will go to work and they will go wherever they go and they are running in all different directions. It's in those years, it's in that time that you've got to be very sensitive and very conscious to build in that family meal time or that family time together. You may not accomplish it every single night, but purpose that we're going to have some time with our kids regardless of how old they are. We're going to build that into our family time together, especially in their teenage years. You know, Jesus, when you look at how he modeled this, he, he, uh, the Bible says he picked 12 disciples. And so we don't, Jesus never married, he never had kids, and so, but we can learn a lot by how he dealt with his disciples. And so he went and he prayed all night long about which disciples to choose, and he comes down off the mountain and he picks 12, and he starts by the seaside, and he picks some fishermen along there, and then he gets Matthew, a tax collector, and he gets some other guys along the way, and by the time he's done, he gets the 12 that God wanted him to have. And the Bible says when he called them, he said, I'll make you fishers of men, but there's something else hidden in there. He says he called them to be with him. So Jesus spends the next three and a half years and most of his time, most of his waking moments are with those 12 disciples. Everything he did, they were with him. They were all along the way for the journey. And often he would get away from the crowds, the 5,000 men that he fed, the 4,000 men. And when he fed the multitudes, he had, uh, when he healed all the sick, but it would often say he would get away alone by himself with his disciples and he is spending time with them. And he makes an amazing statement. He says in John 14, 9, 
replied, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. Now we know he could say that because he's the son of God and he is fully God and he is uh, God in the flesh. He's the divine logos revealed unto us. And so he could accurately say, if you've seen my life, you have seen the father. But he's a direct reflection of the father heart of God. Now here's my question for you. Can we say to our kids, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Do you directly reflect the heart of Almighty God, the heart of our Heavenly Father to your children because I would tell you the earliest conceptions of what God the Heavenly Father is like is what they learn from Dad at home and what they see in your life. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. Are we reflecting the Father's hearts? Do we we experience his love and forgiveness and compassion when they're around us? Do they experience God's Father love? Do they experience God's compassion when they're around Dad? Do they get godly wisdom and counsel from you because you have spent time with your Heavenly Father? You can impart that to the next generation. Do they understand the Heavenly Father is long-suffering and patient and kind and ready to forgive after having observed your life I, I, I am so, so thankful for the father that I had growing up. My dad was an incredible man. He, he died about eight years ago now, and so when I come to Father's Day, I miss him. He was just a, a, an incredible guy. And uh, he loved his kids, and we felt his love, and he expressed that often to us. He would read Bible stories to us at night. He would gather us around and pray with us every evening. One of the things that was so neat about dad is he never said a curse word. I never remember him ever saying a curse word at home. So it was never a part of my vocabulary growing up, so it's not something I had to ever overcome in my life as a believer. We just never talk like that in the house. It never, ever happened. Now, I will tell you, an occasional club would fly, golf club would fly out of his hand when he really get angry on the golf course. But anyway, he never said any bad curse words. He treated my mother with love and kindness. And, and she was always the most precious thing in dad's life. And we sensed that and we felt that he was gentle. He was kind to everyone. And he made sure we were always in church. And he didn't just send the family to the church. We just didn't go with mom so he could go out and do his thing. He brought the family to church. And by the way, when we had church growing up, we had it Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We were always, always in church and we were always there. Your kids will see and learn from dad. In fact, it's kind of scary. As I get older, I've turned into my dad. And the mannerisms and the things I say and the things I do are just like my dad used to do. And it's kind of scary because how much you become and turn into your father. Listen to me. If your dad is harsh and cold and judgmental, your kids will see a God who is also judgmental and out to get them and hard and ready to punish. But if they see dad as loving, patient, and kind, then they will begin to understand that your heavenly father loves and forgives and is a God of mercy and grace, and he's a good, good father. Spend time with your kids, but if you spend time with the Lord, they're gonna see that in you, and they'll catch the father heart of God as well. Corey Timboom tells a story in her book, The Hiding Place. She's an amazing Christian lady, uh, she was raised in Holland, and uh, her family hid Jews 
during the Nazi Holocaust. And so they hid them in their house, and uh, uh, they were discovered. And as a result, they were discovered. Her and her sister Betsy go to a concentration camp in Ravensbrück, Germany, and her father and mother are separated from them, and they are also killed at the concentration camp. And uh, she survived. She lived two years in the concentration camp. And this is what she writes out of her book, and I just want you to listen to it. My security was assured in many ways as a child. Every night, I would go to the door of my room in my nightie and call out, Papa, I'm ready for bed. He would come up to my room and pray with me before I went to sleep. I can always remember that he took time with us and would put his hand gently on my face and say, sleep well, Corey, I love you. Those are powerful words we need to always Share with our kids and our wife, I love you. Don't be stingy with those words. We need to hear them every day. Sleep well, Corey, I love you. I would be very, very still because I thought that if I moved, I might somehow lose the touch of his hand. I wanted to feel it till I fell asleep. Many years later in a concentration camp in Germany, I I sometimes remember the feeling of my father's hands on my face when I was lying there on that wretched, dirty mattress in that dehumanity dehumanizing prison. I would say, Lord, let me feel your hand upon me. May I creep under the shadow of your wings. In the midst of that suffering was my heavenly Father's security. Where'd she first learn it? She learned it from dad at home to be secure in our heavenly Father. Fathers, we need to spend as much time as we can with our heavenly Father so our kids will also see the Father's heart and God's spirit in us. Every chance you get to spend time with your family is chance for them to be marked by their heavenly father. Let me make that statement again. I want that to sink in. Every chance you get to spend time with your family is a chance for them to be marked by their heavenly father. Good news today, dad, you don't have to be perfect. Isn't that good? Just stay close to Jesus. Stay close to the one who is perfect so he can right the wrongs when we blow it and fail along the way. Second, men, love your wives. Be an example of what a healthy marriage looks like. Love them and care for them and and be kind to them. Don't be harsh, the Bible says. And number three, spend time with your families so we can leave that imprint of God upon their lives. These simple lessons can impact your family as we pass the baton from generation to generation to generation. Now, listen to me this morning. Fathers, if you're here today and don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you can invite him to come into your heart, to come into your life. He can forgive you. He can cleanse you, give you a brand new start in him. Any failures that we've made along the way can be forgiven and cleansed in a moment of time. And so there's good news. Jesus loves you. He cares about you. And then when he comes in and he gives you a brand new life, he can begin to rebuild those family relationships that may be broken, those things that you have gone through. He can heal and forgive that as well. Because the Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. And so I want to challenge you, put Jesus Christ at the center. And if you don't know him, you can find him to discover him today as your Lord and Savior. But I want to also share this. Fathers, listen to me for just a moment. If, if you take your dad hat off for a moment, some of you guys, you've already got the props and maybe your kids brought you a gift and it's all about dad fest day. But I've got good news for you. You also have a heavenly father who loves you and cares about you this morning. 
In fact, the Bible said that he is now seated at the right hand of the Heavenly Father and he ever liveth to make intercession for us. So as believers, we have a Christian, we have a Heavenly Father who is praying for us, interceding for us, standing as our defense attorney before our Heavenly Father right now. We have a Heavenly Father in, in, in Jesus Christ who said, I will never leave you nor will I forsake you any step of the way. So he's always there. So when you're going through trials and tests, we've got Jesus Christ. We have Jesus Christ as our provider and our protector who will, who will cover us and protect us and be our refuge in time of trouble. Everything we need to know and be for our families, we learn from Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father. And if you're here today and you are in your life, maybe you're a new believer, a new Jesus follower, you need help and guidance, there are spiritual fathers all around in the house today who will be here to help you, disciple you, teach you about the Lord, teach you how to be a better father, a better husband, better employee, a better servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the, the Bible talks about Paul and Timothy. And he says, I write to my beloved son in the faith, Timothy. And so we, if you're at Timothy here today, there's a lot of the Apostle Pauls all around here. And I would encourage you to connect with a small group of believers, to connect with our men's ministry, our, our men's group, or, or find some other accountability partner, someone you can journey through life with who will help you grow as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And so we help each other grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I encourage you to get involved in that so you can grow and develop in him. And then we can pass that baton of faith from one generation to another. Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.